Welcome to Freelance Feels, conversations about self-employed life. This podcast is for anyone who is self-employed, freelance, a small business owner or entrepreneur, or anyone who's thinking about it, the freelance curious. I'm Jenny Stallard, I'm your host. Each episode, I interview a different person in the freelance world about their experiences, their freelance journey, and of course, we gather all their advice for you as well. If you'd like to find out more about Freelance Fields, you can come and join us at freelancefields.com or on Instagram, it's at freelance underscore fields. For this first episode of season seven, I'm joined by Sean Meads-Williams, author of The Pajama Myth and founder of the Freelance Writing Jobs newsletter. Sean shares her tips and advice for anyone who is considering freelance life or might be feeling challenged by freelance life. She opens up about her experiences through lockdown, on writing a book and creating a hugely successful newsletter. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Freelance Fields podcast, Sean Meads-Williams. Hi Jenny, thanks for having me. Oh, it's so lovely to talk to you and I'm really excited because the podcast has been on hiatus and you're my first guest of the new season. Very overexcited oh, to be back lovely. and have you on, so thank you for, for joining me for this, this first episode. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. Would you like to start by telling everybody what your freelance is, what, what you do, all the different things, because I know you do quite a few different things, so tell us all Lots what your freelances are, I suppose. Yeah, um, so I am a freelance writer, editor, author. Um, I run a popular media newsletter called Freelance Writing Jobs, mm-hmm. which I started back in 2018. It's, it's a weekly newsletter, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Every week I collect um, the best industry freelance writing gigs um, and send them out to lots and lots of happy freelancers. Um, I am also the author of a new book that's just come out called mm-hmm. The Pajama Myth, The Freelance Writer's Survival Guide. Um, and that is very much a Bible to being a freelance writer and it will help you with everything from getting paid on time to pitching to making sure you have a comfy chair to work in um, and just kind of make you feel a little less like you're going through stuff alone which is really important to me. I'm also co-editor of an award-winning newsletter called Tigers Are Better Looking, um, which is a kind of women's culture, lifestyle, history, books, food, all sorts of fantastic stuff in that newsletter. I absolutely love it. And that goes out on a Friday afternoon, which is kind of like the perfect time when you're really ready for the weekend and you just want something lovely in your inbox. Like that's the newsletter that you want to land right then. Yeah, Um, And I write for... I write for magazines and newspapers about all sorts, really, mainly travel, mainly lifestyle, um, and just things that really make me happy. At the moment, I'm researching um, an article about the history of ice cream brands. I'm also doing a piece about uh, Greek myths and the books around those and where this trend oh. has come from. Um, so I've got some really, really fun projects and just at the start of this year, I decided that I was only going to pitch projects that 
I really, really wanted to work on that sounded really fun and it's completely changed the focus of my work. Um, so yeah, ice cream, ice cream is this ice afternoon. Cream, so. that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I say this as the rain is pouring outside my window. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but it was very sunny yesterday. I'd have loved an ice cream van to come past yesterday. <laughs> so yes, very, very topical. Um, I love that idea of, of only pitching ideas and projects that sort of bring you joy. Yeah. How did you, two questions really, how did you come to freelancing? And then, and then I'd love to know how you then came to the point where you're like, I'm not pitching something if I don't love it. I've actually always freelanced. Mm. Um, and I, I started writing for a website uh, called Londonist when I was still working for an insurance magazine. Mm. And it never occurred to me that I could be a writer that was paid for my work. Like, it never occurred to me that I could be a staff writer. I didn't know how to do that. And mm. I think this is something that universities, when I was at university 16 years ago, would really struggled with telling you what to do with a degree. Uh, I had an English degree and I genuinely had no idea how to get a job after that. Um, and I was like so many other graduates. I was just like, cool, I've got a graduate degree. I'll get a job. And that didn't happen. And I didn't know what to do. And there was no kind of practical training. Um, I... I was writing on the side and then someone asked if I wanted to get paid for some writing and I really did and then that snowballed into a different job which I was asked to leave my job for um, and I was 25 and of course I said yes because you don't think about that. Um, I now realise that that was a terribly paid, badly organised job with no job description and it was far too senior, senior for me. I had, did not have enough experience to do that job. The website folded six months after I started. Um, I found myself unemployed and had absolutely no idea what to do um, and I was scrappy. I, I begged, borrowed, pestered, just scrapped my way into a commission uh, um, it was one of the first pitch I sent didn't get me a commission but it mm. did get an email a week later saying that we don't want you to write this piece but will you write this instead Ooh. and I was given some work and it was amazing and brilliant and it was well paid because it was 16 years ago and <laughs> it was it was exactly what I wanted to do and I I had fallen into something that was really great and it, it's been a quite a journey to get from there to there, there to here um, but it it really tapped into something where I could I could write about something that I loved mm. and and I think last year I found myself with a really working for a really great client doing work that I didn't want to do I was doing okay. more hours than I wanted to do and on the face of it, I had an absolutely cracking freelance gig and it wasn't what I wanted to do at all. Um, and I think it's very easy just to take stuff and it's, we get so scared of there being no work. Mm. And I think that's something that freelancers really worried about. And it's, it's nice just to be able to say, I only want to say yes to things that really make me feel excited. I only want to pitch things that really make me feel excited. It's very easy to get out of the habit of it because 
what you do sometimes need is to pitch stuff that pays mm. and to make sure that money is coming in and it's a lot easier just to say yes to everything that you you're offered because the alternative is a little bit scary yeah so, um, so it's interesting you say scary because i was going to say it's, it's driven by fear isn't it that idea that absolutely something lands in your inbox you're like oh just do it and it's like hold on a minute do I want to do yeah. it? Is it well paid? Is it a client that's going to add? But you don't have those rational conversations because you're too busy going, thank God, money might come in. <laughs> and you can pay the gas bill that's just mm. increased by hundreds of pounds. It's, yeah, yeah you, it's an immediate reaction and, it's, and, it, and it is driven by a fear. But I think it's also just, it's something that the media industry perpetuates, that we're lucky to have any work at all. And especially after the last two years, every creative is told that they are lucky. And I don't believe Mm. that. I don't Mm. believe that freelancers are lucky, especially I firmly believe that freelancers make their own luck. And we make our own luck by being brave and pitching and really focusing on what it is that makes us happy. And it turns out this year, writing about books and ice cream and sometimes Mm. potatoes is what's making me happy at the moment. And Mm. it's... It changes. I think that's flexible. And I think that's one of the best things about being freelance because the job that I found myself unsatisfied with last year would have suited like five years ago, Sean, pretty much down to the T. And you, it's not, it's not a fixed, fixed element. You don't have to say, this is the one thing that makes me happy all the time because no one's like that. No freelancers are like that. No humans are like that. We're allowed to change our minds. Yeah, it's, a, it's an evolution, isn't it? I guess if you, yeah, you think back to that first, when you first were freelance and you said you were sort of, you were scrappy and you were kind of begging and everything. And now you've moved to a point where you can choose, you're feeling like you'd like to choose things that are bringing you joy. That's a lovely leap, but it's also, it's either a leap to some people, I guess, but really it's an evolution. It's happened over yeah. quite a long time and you've developed the newsletters in between that as well. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of things that you've, you've created to bring you joy perhaps is that fair to say while you've been waiting for the things the commissions that have brought you joy as well yeah I think it's one of the best things of the freelancer just to be able to say that I can do this I can make something that is mine and I really love being able to do that um I think uh freelance writing jobs happened very much because I'd had a horrible six months of freelancing the worst six months which Mm. was to put that into perspective, I think the summer of 2017 was worse than the pandemic for freelancers Goodness. in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I had to postpone uh, the second year of my MA because I couldn't afford the fees. Um, and it, it was a really hard decision, but mm. as work tends to when you're freelance, it picks up again. Yeah. It took a lot longer than I've been hoping for, um, but it picked up and then I suddenly had all of these avenues and places where I searched for jobs and this all these calls for pitches and I was like, what can I do with them now? Mm-hmm. I've got enough work, I don't need them. And one day while uh, my husband was in the pub, I put them all together in an email and I was like, Oh, it didn't take that long to put together and by the time I put the landing page live hundreds hundreds of people had signed up before apparently last orders had been called um and it went out a week later and it was absolutely career-changing um one of one of the things that I missed back in 20 2017 2018 was mm 
having my name on something. I was doing a lot of work for corporate clients. Um, I was doing okay. a lot of um, commercial work. I was also writing um, a lifestyle newsletter, but my name wasn't on it necessarily. We were writing under a brand. And we, I think we're a bit more flexible now with, with kind of the personal element of that email. But it's when you're doing work that your name is on, you feel like every editor you've ever spoken to has forgotten about you. Mm. Yeah. And I wanted to put my name on something and it's it's freelance writing jobs by Charlize Williams and and people, editors and people in the media recognised that name. So when I emailed my pitch after that newsletter had gone out and I was pitching those people, they knew who I was. Yeah. And that has been really, really beneficial. Um, it's helped my career um, in, in so many ways. Um, and I love the newsletter. I love what I get to do. Uh, but that was a big part of, of the driving force back in 2018. Yeah, I really love that it's something that you did without, like you did it for you and, and to, to own something. And I think a lot of people, when they're freelance, often think, like lots of people say to me, oh, do you make any money from the podcast? I'm like, no. What do you plan to? I'm like, actually, not really. Like, if someone wants to sponsor it and anyone's listening, that's an aside. Great, but actually, I will always do it without because... I just wanted to set it up because I wanted to talk to people and I enjoyed podcasts and I wanted to see what it felt like to do one of my own. And I agree with you though. It's actually been something that I can then use. It's helped me become a podcast guest for other people because they know that I know how to speak on audio. <laughs> it's not everyone's yeah. comfortable, for example. Um, I love that you kind of did it originally for you, but it's been career changing is, is a, is a great yeah. thing to be able to say. That's amazing. And it is profitable now. Mm. Um, as what there is obviously the element that I mean it helps so many freelancers um we did um a back of the envelope estimate um with the amount of issues that go out and it's it's almost certainly 50 issues a year Mm. um it's it's making freelancers around a million pounds a year in commissions and work Um, wow and and that sounds like an exaggeration but it's really not wow sure that's amazing it's a staggering figure but actually there's usually 25 jobs in it when Mm. you divide that by the number of subscribers and the amount of work i get from the newsletter which is in like it's certainly like in the tens of thousands of pounds just myself and i'm just one person um and i know that people have had books commissioned people have gone on to do such brilliant work Mm. um and and i love that but it takes over a day to put together and it does make a profit um and and i'm proud of that i love that i think when you're doing something which is helping other people find work i think i would be a terrible freelancer to not want some some sort of revenue for that because when you're taking a day out of your work i can't i i think at one point after the pandemic really shot um my subscriber numbers up um but the money wasn't coming in. I was basically paying to help other people find work. Mm. There's um, a point isn't there where sense. you're like, I'm not a philanthropist. I'm yeah. not like a housewife um, with, with, a, with a charity to run here. No, I've got <laughs> no money. Um, I've got no money and a mortgage. Um, but I think um, it was so important to me to make sure that the, the money comes from the right people. So there's, there's a lot of 
um, there are advertising options. So I speak to a lot of companies who want to get in touch with freelancers. Mm. Um, I never want to put the newsletter behind a paywall mm. because it's about it's about freelancers trying to find work. And if they're trying to find work, it's because they need work. No one wants to pay for that newsletter. I feel quite strongly about that. Although I know other people have other newsletters now behind paywalls, and that's great. Um, I offer a kind of priority membership, which means that you can sign up a day early. Yeah. I'll get the newsletter a day early, and that's very much an opt-in service. It's also only £3 a month, which I genuinely think is a bargain, because yeah. um, that's four, four issues. Um, and you just, if you're really, really looking, like actively looking for work, getting a jump on that is a really great thing. Mm. But what was lovely was when people signed up for that, it wasn't necessarily that they were signing up because they needed that. They were signing up because they wanted to support the newsletter. Yes. It's very much become a lifeline for freelancers. And it's it's made freelancers, I think, feel less alone. It feels very much like a community. It feels like a, a service everyone gets really excited about every Thursday yeah. afternoon. I love it when um, it lands in my inbox because I'm like, also because of the way you write it, so it's like, hello, job squirrels. And it's like, oh, I'm a job squirrel. <laughs> I love the idea of being a squirrel. <laughs> squirreling away and you put brilliant gifts in there and it's just really the way it's written is very engaging as well it's not just like here's a load of jobs it's really like it's really job hunting is already boring isn't it and it's it's already it's it's such it's not it's not what anyone wants to be doing and i'm just saying i just want to make it a little bit more fun and i really like that that's the takeaway from it i know people who stay on the list because they like the book recommendations or yes they're in full-time work but they just open it for the gifts just to see what they are and it it really appeals to people because i think it's still it's still a service but it can still be fun. Everything they do in freelancing can still be fun. And if it wasn't, it would be really boring for me to put together each week. Yeah. So. And part of the reason we are freelance in a way is we want that. The good things are the flexibility and the fun and the fact that we can create new projects and, you know, kind of go off on side tangents and say, well, I'm going to say squirrels and I'm going to, you know, all these kinds of things, you know, <laughs> whatever. I like it at the end where you often share um for anyone that isn't subscribed, if you are a freelance writer, we'll get all the details at the end of the podcast episode from Sean so that you can subscribe because it is brilliant and invaluable. And it's also a great way of getting new contacts. So someone yeah. does a shout out, you know, you mentioned you didn't get commission A, but they came back to you for commission B. Mm. You can start to think, oh, actually, I, I, I'm not right for that shout out. But, oh, that person might be interested in a pitch I, I've been working on. So you can you can kind of use it to curate your own freelance. Yeah ideas and things in terms of what you might send and, and to who that's what I really love and and the fact that you share your cake and your cooking at the end you say yeah. oh, I'm off. <laughs> last one for me before I'm off for a slice of vegan carrot cake or whatever it might be I don't know what you have but <laughs> yeah. oh I don't think it would ever be carrot cake to be Did honest I think that's no it's my least favorite cake not oh, a fan we're getting on oh. so well I know that's so sad <laughs> Carrot cake for me, an alternative cake for you. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's because I think like that that sign off for me is very. It's it's a really nice way to have that kind of structure to an email when I'm putting it together. Mm. But also, everybody does like that when they freelance, don't they? When you have a big job in the end of the week, you're just like, right, okay, I've done that. Now I can go and do X, and that's the thing you're working towards. And it's. The, the newsletter as I write it is very real it fits around my life and that's really important and I think one of the reasons people really respond to it is because 
I don't just do kind of inverted commas freelance writing as as people think of it. Mm. It includes includes writing writing for commercial brands and writing prizes mm. and agents looking for submissions and there's always something for poets yes as I say poetry is often in there isn't it always like that. That. Yeah. Um, and there's always stuff because I only feature um UK-based roles um mm. or or roles from a company that's specifically specifically looking for uh writers in the UK um I can get really quite hyper local with that so mm. I always make sure there's uh jobs available in Scotland I try not to be London centric um it's really important to me to kind of make sure if there's a great local job someone knows about it and for thousands of people on that list that job isn't relevant and I don't care because for the five people who live in that area it's absolutely relevant and and it's important to have that um but I like that I think one of the things people said so much during the pandemic was that it gave them hope and that was really important um, because I was really surprised actually that the number of jobs I was sharing throughout the pandemic and during lockdown Mm. it didn't change oh wow it was expect it might but yeah um, I mean the number of jobs that I had certainly changed (laughs) um, but it it didn't change I just had to search for them a lot harder and I had Mm. to the, the research took twice as long but the actual overall thing didn't didn't alter. What did alter was what people thought was possible from their mm. freelancing. Mm. And I do think like if you're if you're most of the time you're a travel writer and you keep seeing writing prizes for short stories or poetry or something like that, at some point if you've got a little bit of an interest in that, something's gonna click and you're just gonna think. I can enter this, my poems are good. And then you're a freelance travel writer who's also a commissioned poet and you're a published author or you're a published short story writer. Why can't you do all of those things? Of course you can do all of those. And I think that's that's a really nice and very freeing way to approach freelance writing, I think. Oh, I feel all tingly and warm. That's just lovely because, yeah, a lot of us lost hope in the pandemic. And it was really interesting to actually think about the power of freelancing in many ways. Like you said, because at least we can shift and change. And, you know, if job A wasn't working, you could think, well, yes, I'm going to have to look harder. I'm going to have to really dig deep into these job websites with keywords and things. But there could be something else out there, whereas a lot of people were just put on furlough, didn't know if they were ever going to go back to a job. And there was no sort of control for them, whereas at least it was it was hard for us but at least we had that control over you know lots of people probably started newsletters in the pandemic thinking okay well here's something i can control no news no 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 commissions at the moment i'm going to start a newsletter i'm going to start a podcast i'm going to start a new blog that actually gets my creativity out there in a different way or and people are always a little bit shy about those projects they're just like yep i started a newsletter like everybody else in lockdown it's like no keep doing it because I really just the things that you do when you have time are the things that have been noodling around in the back of your head or the things that you're excited by and oh we need more of those we need them to keep just to keep ourselves feeling alive in our work and and they're they're exciting and you don't know what they're going to be and and that that's great I don't think that's a bad thing at all I think 
it may be something that only lasts for six months or it may be something you realize that actually I've done four newsletters now and I don't like the weekly pressure this isn't for me everyone have a lovely time I'm just going to subscribe to all chance newsletters they sound fun um it's it's just great to just try stuff and we get that that option when we're freelance um and I've I've really despite my love of trying stuff in freelance I've really kind of gone off the whole idea of side hustle talk about that in the pajama myth a lot yes I, love I was just gonna ask you I was like and the book is also something that came to you yeah <laughs> I, I would never call the book I can't ever call the book a side hustle it took over my life um but I much prefer the term side project I think mm. projects sound to me like something that come from a place of love hustling sounds like something that comes from a place of conflict almost where you feel like you have to work 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 and go at it and it sounds like you're it sounds like you're fighting with yourself too much if it's a side hustle mm. um, I don't I don't think we should monetize every minute of our day I don't think we have to monetize every single craft we have and every single skill mm. and sometimes it's really really great and goodness knows valuable to sit on the sofa and do nothing we don't have to have a newsletter a podcast a, a new project every week just because everybody else is doing them we can just enjoy our work and sit and go out for dinner and see our friends and i would much rather do that and see what comes out of the freedom to be creative rather than feeling like I have to hustle all the time um because I think it's I think it's bad for us and I think it's just capitalism trying to ruin any sense of freedom that we have mm. it's funny isn't it because hustle has a real sort of it's almost got a criminal connotation as well like yeah. the idea of being a hustler is you know yeah you're 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 ducking and diving and you might be sort of you know I think there's a film called The Hustle with Rebel Wilson in it. And it's about um, conning. It's about con men and con women. Yeah. And it's like, so yeah, if you're a side hustler, does that mean that on the side you do things that are a bit, you know, shady rather than like you say, side projects, side ideas, yeah. you know, everything except hustle's got a real, yeah, there's quite a negative connotation when you do things, so. isn't there? Mm. I think so. And that's not to take away from anyone's amazing projects, because I think the things that we spend time doing are the things that fuel us. Mm. But when you get to the point where you feel like you have to do something and I, I now will always want to explore why I feel like I have to mm. and usually after spending slightly too, too long on Instagram I suddenly decide I need a project Instagram account I've got I've got three ideas I'm like, I don't I don't need this I don't need that extra extra pressure on myself and I think that's what I've stopped doing is putting that pressure on myself it's taken a significant amount that time it's taken a significant amount of therapy but I think it's it's okay to just be and I worry that freelancers get so caught up in the idea that time is money mm -hmm. and we must keep working and we have to keep going keep going because we're the only ones who can propel our career forward and that that can be really really difficult for us but I actually think my career tends to go better when I'm not gripping onto it for dear life or mm. when I'm not trying really hard and I think we all know when we get offered work in our emails because we've checked our emails when 
we're out and about with a friend and they pop to the loo in a bar or something and it's just like, oh cool, I've just got a piece of work in. And you don't notice because you're not sat at your desk at midnight trying to keep going, keep spinning all these plates and I would like work to fit around my life. Mm. That's, that's my focus. Yeah, rather than the other way around. I really yeah. love that. And you mentioned therapy there. Have you had quite a lot of challenges with mental health and freelancing? I'd love, I'd love to get your advice for people on who might be, yeah, in a similar position to perhaps previous Sean, who was, you know, the, the also the scrappy. Scrappy was the word you used. <laughs> I love that. It made me think of Scooby-Doo as well. I'm always happy to talk about mental health. And I think it's something that, I, I certainly took it for granted when I was younger, um, but I think freelancers really have to take care of their mental health because if you're working home alone for the majority of the day, you don't have someone else to take care of your mental health and your work set up for you. I've, I've talked very openly about the therapy that I've had um, during lockdown, I had a bout of agoraphobia, mm-hmm. which was incredibly difficult and debilitating and i i could leave the house to stand on the doorstep for about two months um i i really struggled i had cbt to kind of build up to being able to have my life back Mm. essentially um and it was incredibly difficult and when we got to the end of CBT and I was able to go out and do whatever I wanted um which was still a struggle when I when I kind of when we said I don't have agoraphobia but getting back into that habit we were still in lockdown we were still having that struggle so mm. we were still being told not to go out and I was very at odds with what I wanted to do because everybody I knew had spent eight months going for a daily walk and I haven't been for a single one. And I was just like, someone come for a walk with me. I want to go and see London. I want to go and do stuff. And I was like, we're tired, Sean. We're bored. We're sick of the walking. <laughs> um, come out. Mm. But after that therapy, um, my therapist said, like, actually, a lot of stuff came up in the CBT. And I think we should explore it some more. And I was... I knew she was right. And I was happy that she said it. But it was terrifying because... I'd had CBT for one thing. It was a very, very specific thing. Suddenly going into kind of talking therapy and unpicking my life was really scary. And we spent a lot of time, spent about a year actually unpicking the pressure that I put on myself mm. and the how, how much harder I make my life for goals that are completely unachievable and why I don't feel satisfied with work and mm. work plays such a big part of it. And now I'm just, I'm so cautious of how much pressure freelancers have to do everything and how much weight we put on ourselves. Mm. And often if I'm feeling stressed and I've got so much pressure on me, I ask where that pressure is coming from it is almost never coming from a client. It's always coming from me. And that's been a really, really useful thing to kind of look for and pinpoint. So when you ask me where the the focus on freelancing being fun came mm. from, it came from therapy. It came from me doing the best thing I could myself. Um, and I don't necessarily think all freelancers need therapy or indeed could afford therapy uh, because yeah. NHS waiting lists are astonishingly long. Our access to therapy in this country is 
abysmal. Um, and I think I think what we need is to be honest with ourselves about how we treat ourselves and how how we how we treat ourselves as employees because we are and we're self-employed and and our careers are important but it's not our lives and I really am happy to have a bit of a definition around that now Mm. Um, I talk about this a lot in the pajama myth I don't think I could write a book about um about freelancing and not write about mental health Um, it's it's really important it's really important now for me to kind of recognize the pitfalls and see what helps me and I think that's different for everybody um I've not I've never been anybody who needs kind of to go on a daily walk like I can I can still not go for a walk for a day two days and like I genuinely don't feel like that's what I need but I have my own workspace which helps tremendously I make sure I eat properly throughout the day Um, and they all sound basic and they are but it's it's self-care and I think it's something that self-care became so commodified by Instagram that self-care is now like a 50 quid candle and 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 a blanket that has been mass produced somewhere it's it's such an unusual thing just to see how that has shifted and Uh, really self-care i think is for me is probably just having a shower and making a cup of tea yeah it's that simple and making the time to do that and it's i read a book every morning for 20 minutes oh um, lovely and it i used to check my email and to be honest i still check my email every time first thing in the morning and then i pick up a book but having that 20 minutes to myself is really, really important. Um, yeah. And I think there's, it's very easy to make sweeping statements about mental health. Um, I've, just, I've suffered with depression a few times and knowing that people, people will often say, I'll just go for a walk as if this is some yeah. silver bullet. And I don't wrong, exercise plays a huge part in my mental health. And I've had COVID, been comfortable recovering from COVID two months and I've not been mm. able to exercise and that's played its part in taking a huge toll on me I know but going for a walk is not going to save everything it's a part of a bigger picture I think and I'm never going to tell anyone that that their mental health will be cured if you like just by going for a walk and yeah. eating some vegetables nah. it's it's a jigsaw it's, almost, isn't it? It's a, yeah. there's a pieces of a jigsaw that you've got to keep putting yeah, in every absolutely. day. Yeah. Thank you so much for your honesty there. Cause I think that will really reach out to a lot of people um, who might be in a similar position. And um, yeah, I've had talking therapy as well. And I would say to people, if you're on the fence about it and you have the funds and the time, I found it life changing as well. Um, so yes, I'm also a big fan, but it is a, it's a big thing to dive into. It is, it is you'll yeah. cover more than you ever re- imagine you might. So you have to be in yes. the right place. I agree with you. Um, now you mentioned there a shower and getting dressed. So that leads me on to saying, tell us about the pajama myth because <laughs> book, it's so brilliant because I know it's for free. It's a freelance writer's guide, but I just feel like there's loads in there for people who are freelance generally, because it's about, the things, for example, about the, the process and the feelings of pitching, 
yes for us as journalists and writers that's about pitching ideas often but often people mm -hmm. are pitching themselves and saying hello I'm available for work etc so there's a lot of things that I think people could take but how did it come about is this like a life career dream to write a book or was it a sudden idea <laughs> tell us all about the pajama myth it it was Oh, it's been an undertaking. There is no doubt about that. Um, you mean you so, just didn't write a book, you know, on your Tuesday nights? <laughs> um, I, I always get a lot of freelancers emailing through the newsletter asking mm. for advice. Um, and I think one of the things I noticed was I kept getting asked the same questions mm. all the time. Um, and... I think it was because there wasn't a book, there wasn't a guide. There certainly wasn't a guide when I was when I started freelancing. I did not know how to write an invoice. I think I sent an email asking someone for my money um, because I didn't know. I didn't know how to do it. Um, I didn't know how to write a pitch. No one, no one had told me. And I think in, in many ways this is quite aging. Um, but there was a cusp of the internet where things changed very quickly. Twitter has now become this half house site and half lovely place where freelancers talk and chat and it's a community and you can get both in the same day. Yeah, um, exactly, but yeah. <laughs> it's Twitter didn't exist when I went freelance. Mm. Um, no, certainly not in the same capacity. Um, I think it just started. I think there was it was just so many updates. I launched a website without having a Twitter account. And if you can imagine that, it seems mad you now. Are you 100? <laughs> no way, I relate. I'm 44. When we first started, I was on a local paper and we had one computer that had the internet that we had to share. Yeah. And all the other computers it, had green screens that you used on a different... It was system. exactly that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually 39. Um, I'm 40 later this year. And that cusp of the internet becoming huge was when I was working, which was always exciting. But finding that information in one place was very difficult. And mm. I can't quite remember the thing where I was just like, this information should be a book. But I do remember writing a very, very small outline and sending it to Unbound the week before my wedding in 2019. Um, now, Unbound are a crowdfunding publisher, um, and I knew one of the editors there. We talked about potential projects previously, and those conversations haven't come to anything. But I knew that because I had this lovely, engaged audience of freelancers, and they wanted this book, I knew that I had a good chance of crowdfunding a book, which means that basically your pre-orders go towards funding the cost of the book, and unless that book, those costs get funded that book doesn't happen um it took nine months for that to be for it to be funded and eagle very eagle-eyed hang on i can't remember the exact timings of it so it, the crowdfunding launched just in 2019 mm. um it was yeah it was crowdfunded by uh february 2020 and then, well, we all know what happened in February 2020, in March 2020. Um, I found myself writing a book through lockdown, which was in many ways great because I had something to focus on. Um, yeah. But as we've also discussed, like, I found myself dealing with agoraphobia and having CBT and all of the strains and pressures that everybody felt during lockdown. Um, I remain... Um, 
just in in shock and awe at all of my friends who were parents um and oh my goodness it's yeah but i think the book came out um a little bit later because of aforementioned lockdown therapy yeah. all of the stuff um so it actually came out in march of this year and and the response has been great and i love it um i'm I really enjoyed writing it and I talk a lot about freelance success and what that means and how we define it and I think to be honest what I'm going back to there is finding the things that make us happy and there is a real juxtaposition when you write a book where everyone's like oh my god you must be so excited that it's coming out and absolutely very very excited that this book is out but the joy I had was in writing it and the joy I have now is seeing other freelancers use that advice in it and have it have a positive impact on their careers. And that in itself is amazing. Seeing it on a shelf, selling, like being on a bestseller list. I, I thought that would be where I got my joy. Mm. But it turns out I've been having the joy all along. Oh. Um, and, that, and that's a really nice thing. And I think, I think you can tell because the book is, it's fun. Yeah, it's a it's really fun, fun book. Yeah. I don't I don't gloss over anything. Um I am brutally honest throughout about what freelancing is like. And if you read some of those excerpts without reading the fun stuff, I think mm. you'd wonder on earth why I ever went freelance. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I'm, I'm never gonna pull punches about freelancers not getting paid on time it is a scandal in our media industry it's a scandal in our creative industries in all industries it is awful and every company who treats freelancers like that should be ashamed um and i've been freelancing for 15 16 years and it still happens and it's still the large companies that don't pay you oh yeah it's um, not the small medium ones they're all like yeah your invoice is paid it's the big massive yeah. multinational um, yes I'm with you on but, that as well. It's, uh, oh. I think it's clear that it is written by someone who has a genuine love for what they do. Yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of other editors and freelancers just to collect information that I hope people will refer back to mm. and they'll have the copy on their desks and they'll just be like, oh, I need to know about this or, or I'm not sure what to do or just pick it up when they're feeling a little bit of a creative slump as we all get sometimes. And, yeah. Or when you're, when you're spinning too many plates and don't know how to go forward. Yeah. Um, I think it's a book that people will refer back to regularly. Yeah, very much so. Brilliant. Oh, Sean, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you. And um, would you like to level where they can find the book, where they can find both of your newsletters, where they can follow you, everything that anyone would need to know <laughs> to get involved with Sean's brilliant world and all her products? Tell us everything. <laughs> Tell you everything. Um, um, oh, gosh, you can find me um, at shamitswilliams.com, tigersarebetterlooking.com. Um, I am on Twitter as Shani Shani Shani. Gosh, that is an old handle. Um, I like I'm it though, on Instagram. It's, it's clear and you know it's, it's, it's Shani memorable. Shani. Yeah. 
Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Charmise Williams if you happen to like cats and cake. There's no carrot cake though. Um, and yeah, find all the information there. Pajama Myth is available from everywhere you buy your books. Um, authors make brilliant money if you buy from independent shops. We make terrible money if you buy from Amazon. Um, but that having been said, I'm sorry, my cuckoo cock is about is going off. Oh, I love it. I'm so leaving that in. Sorry, Sean. Sean has, this is a reason to follow Sean on social media, is you get to see her interiors. And I'm sorry we don't have time to talk about the interiors, but Sean, people follow Sean because you will see things like her brilliant wallpapers and all the things she does with her, her flat and her workspace, which are just joyous. Apparently, apparently a brand new cuckoo clock in the office, uh, which I love and is bringing me joy. So That's just bringing um, me joy as well, so there you go. <laughs> Oh, Sean, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I wish you all the best with, I'm excited to see whatever comes out next because I'm sure something will be bubbling away, a side project that will come into... Not a side hustle. Um, No, no, the next project is going on holiday. So going on holiday in two days' time. Um, Of course, by the time this goes out, I'll probably come back and my son town will have vanished completely but <laughs> that that is that is the next project to read through a pile of books on the beach fantastic well i hope you have a wonderful time thank you so thank much thank you thanks for having me thank you.